you're dialed into the right place. This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise, as you well know, of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today, and it's an honor to be here. Today's show is entitled, Sticks and Stones Will Break Your Bones, But Moral Distress Could Kill You. Yes, that's what I said. Uh, Sticks and stones will break your bones, but moral distress could kill you. Now, you could easily call this show Moral Distress in the Biden Administration. Or how about the Biden Administration's War on Morality? Uh, In other words, Joe Biden is the opposite of Make America Great Again, which we all thought was morally correct. Or should we call it Joe Biden is the root of all moral distress? No? Well, let's go back to the sticks and stones will break your bones, but moral distress could kill you. Now, okay, perhaps that's an exaggeration. Moral distress probably won't kill you. And Joe Biden isn't the root of all moral distress in America. After all, there are other villains in this story of magnifying moral distress in America. Joe Biden is little more than a mouthpiece, and a terrible one at that, for today's robber barons who I'd like to call the progressive Democrats. Now, we're instructed daily that there's nothing progressive about the progressive frauds. And when you separate the word Democrat from the word Democratic, you're left with just ick. And this is another clue about these folks. So I'm going to attempt to explain how Biden and the progressive Democrats are the source of our ever-increasing moral distress. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but moral distress could kill you. Now, this could be considered akin to Nietzsche's warning that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But but I would add to that, it could kill you in the future, so (laughs) beware. But let me warn you, if you suffer too much moral distress over a wide array of various value conflicts, you may prefer the sticks and stones treatment to the cognitive anguish of moral distress. So by this time, you must be asking, what is it? What what is moral distress? We know that moral distress is a complex and challenging problem that can have a significant negative impact on individuals, communities, and on societies. Moral distress can hinder our ability to advocate for our civil rights, uh, to voice our concerns as parents for our children's learning environments and, and their curricula. During a crisis or disaster, ethical and moral disagreements with political leadership can and will increase the frequency and the severity of moral distress. Acknowledging and addressing moral distress is essential to preserving our personal and civic integrity. Yes, yes, and yes. But what is it? Moral distress occurs when you know the ethically correct action to take. Once again, it occurs when you know the ethically correct action to take, but you are constrained from taking it. Again, moral distress occurs when you know the ethically correct action to take, but you can't do anything about it, even though you want to, even though you've tried. Moral distress results from 
morally challenging situations where you have evidence that our political elites are constantly making self-serving policy decisions and then lying to you and me about their motivation and where they're going with these decisions. Now, have, have you ever sat and watched the nightly news and intuitively and immediately do that a government policy you're being told about is inherently wrong? There's no doubt in your mind about it. I mean, you don't even know where you come up with that, that, that scale of right and wrong, but, but you know it is wrong. It, it, it just comes to you automatically. It's nothing you even consciously think about. And that this policy is going to cause great harm, but you're helpless to do a darn thing about it. I'd substitute a different word for darn in there, but we'll go with darn for now. In fact, the policy is going to hurt you and your family, but there's not a darn thing there's that word again, that you can do about it other than perhaps call your senator or your congressperson and hope that they're not both Democrats. Have you, have you watched tens of thousands of illegal aliens cross our southern border each nightly news broadcast? I mean, if you do this over, you know, months and months, like 16 months, by now you've seen tens of thousands of people cross. As you listen to Joe Biden, Secretary of Homeland Insecurity, tell you the border's closed. (laughs) I I don't know. My eyes must be deceiving me. He says, don't try to cross the border. The border is closed. What if that progressive Democrat policy, as announced by Joe Biden, is an immediate and all-out war on fossil fuels instead? Did God put an ocean of oil and natural gas underground for us to use responsibly or not? You know that this war on fossil fuels, given the fact that we don't have the technology to shift to renewable energy, it's going to increase the cost of darn near everything. It's going to take money out of your pocket for no understandable or rational or moral reason. But there's not a darn thing you can do to stop it. And it's about to crush your family budget. Are you likely to suffer from moral distress when you discover that the lessons in gender identity and sexual orientation are going to be taught, yes, I said taught, behind your back to your young, impressionable kindergartner? And you know this is psychologically and most certainly morally wrong. You raise the issue with the school principal, but but they're going ahead with the indoctrination anyway. They really don't care what you have to say. You decide to protest this issue at your next school board meeting, but then, but then you back off because you're concerned about your perceived pressure that the FBI might be taking names of parents who show up at school board meetings. Probably not so, but but boy, didn't the attorney general come out and say? Well, you know what they said. And if you're going to voice your concerns about gender and sexual lessons, will the teachers take it out eventually on your kindergartner? If these types of school lessons promoting woke ideologies continue, you're faced with a moral and practical dilemma of either pulling your child out of that school and either homeschooling your child or enrolling in a parochial school where you're assured this wokeism probably won't prevail. How about one more example? The result from a recent poll showed that when registered voters were asked if it was appropriate, if it was appropriate 
the protest out this outside of the homes of the Supreme Court justices. You know this is going on every day now since that leaked memo. If it was appropriate, is it appropriate to protest outside the homes of Supreme Court justices? Have you seen some of these homes? They've got a front yard that's about 20 feet before you hit the, the, the immediate porch and front door. Most of these justices, uh, most of the conservatives, have small children. Well, especially given that there's a federal law prohibiting such protests, this is a very interesting question. So here's the results. And they, they're quite predictable. We see these in all kinds of other uh, surveys. 35% of Democrats said it, uh, such a protest is inappropriate. 35%. The so 65% of them said, go ahead, it's just fine. You know, we don't care if you're out there intimidating people with bullhorns and, and drums. You know how they get away with it. Uh, they're not, they can't stand. You have to be moving back and forth. So they, they just back and forth uh, move as if they're just walking down the street. It really isn't a stationary thing where they're hollering uh, at the justice. But it's all basically the same thing. And I can't believe they're allowing these bullhorns to be used. Now, what are the other results? Get on with it, Daniel. 60% of independents said it was inappropriate. Well, that's encouraging. And as you would expect, 70% of Republicans says it was inappropriate. But you want to know, where's the other 30%? I mean, you have to remember that these people aren't elected. You're not supposed to be trying to intimidate or change the legal opinion of someone because they're afraid for their family. Now, do you think that the families of these six conservative justices have any moral distress over what's going on outside of their homes each and every day since the SCOTUS draft opinion was leaked to the press? Let me ask you, do you, do you personally have any moral distress over the possibility that these protesters may succeed they may succeed in intimidating a, a change in one or two justices that they, they change their votes because they fear for their family, thus dooming millions of future unborn to the medical waste trash can. Wouldn't that be something? That would cause some serious moral distress. Whether stemming from local or national factors, moral distress profoundly threatens our core values. Moral distress... Moral distress is distinct from other forms of angst experienced by, by parents, our children, and every other everyday citizen. Believe it or not, the conservative commentators like myself, concerned political activists, and, and even our congressional representatives, given enough moral distress, can experience moral fatigue and burnout. The causes of moral distress, they, they do vary among individuals. However, the moral distress I'm talking about is triggered by political and religious differences over value conflicts. Now, this brings me to another moral classification, that being moral turpitude. Perhaps you've heard that term before. It's sort of a, I like saying moral turpitude. It's got a sort of a panache to it, you know. Moral turpitude is quite simply deviant, wicked behavior that's immoral, unethical, or an unjust departure from ordinary social standards such that it would shock a community. It's deviant, wicked behavior that's immoral, unethical, 
or such an unjust departure from ordinary social standards that it would shock you and me. Now, when I started covering the in-your-face wokeism happening in public and primary and elementary schools, moral turpitude came, <laughs> came to mind, I'm sorry. When did we ever think of teaching children as young as preschool about white supremacy or white privilege, much, much less indoctrinating them with unproven concepts of gender fluidity and the possibility that they, they could be transgender? It's called moral turpitude, and it's a lot more prevalent than you think. The progressive Democrats want us to believe that a person who is made in the image of God with a big G is so gender and sexually fluid that there's no longer any meaningful definition for the words man or woman. Now, our unfriendly, radical progressives don't believe God has a role to play in our best national interests. They believe our concerns about unfettered abortion, the social phenomena known as rapid-onset gender dysphoria, and the demand for social media and peer group-guided gender-affirming care and surgery are all morally irrelevant issues. The morally questionable ideology driving kids as young as 12 years of age to seek gender transitioning, even if they have to sue for parental emancipation so they can pursue their current new gender dream, has long-term negative consequences for parents, children, and for society. If you're a parent in these circumstances, I believe moral distress doesn't, doesn't even begin to describe half of what you're going through. Now, earlier this week, Nancy Pelosi, yes, our favorite one, Nancy Pelosi was asked what she was going to do to calm the tension and potentially uh, level out these violent protests about the upcoming Supreme Court decision over reversing the Roe v. Wade decision and turning the legality of abortion back to the states to decide. Now, here's her non-answer to the question. Well, let me just say this. A woman has a right to choose, to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her, her significant other, and her God. Uh, th- this talk of politicizing all of this, I think, is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico, have had legislative uh, initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person, and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions. Well, I noticed that Nancy, by claiming her extreme Catholicism, pretends she's our new American Pope. My nerves. It's as, as if she's declaring that questions over abortion are morally irrelevant. Of course, Nancy fails to say where these rights come from that she's talking about. Now, if you take the politics out of the pending Supreme Court decision, and you review all the documents and prior decisions, directly and indirectly relating to whether the Founding Fathers somehow meant to put abortion into the Constitution, but just never got around to it, you could only conclude abortion isn't in the Constitution. And remember, all the Founding Fathers were just that. They were fathers. 
they were men and did not likely want to stand up in Philadelphia Hall and declare that they wanted a provision for abortion in the Constitution. It most likely would have had to have its own amendment because it's not easy to see under which of the other ten amendments they would have included it. Now, this is not to say that we can't have abortion in America. States can decide to legislate abortion into their own laws. It just means abortion should have never been made law by activist judges, justices some 49 years ago. And if rational and, and sound arguments can be made that, that that decision some 49 years ago was wrong, I don't see any rationale to continue to keep abortion as a constitutional law just because it's been around for 49 years. That doesn't seem right either. Progressive Democrats should go to each state and make their case for abortion. And, and just think about their knee-jerk response when this draft opinion was leaked. And it was leaked on purpose. And just look at the reactions we've had over a leak. They wanted to pack the court with liberal justices. That was their reaction. Who would reinstate the abortion plank and the heck with whether it was constitutional at all. And yes, I agree. If you strongly favor abortion and believe the decision to expunge it from the Constitution, uh, you will probably suffer your own kind of moral distress. But, th- but don't you think, I mean, r- really, don't you think we need to come to some kind of compromise over disposing nearly 900,000 unborn future citizens each year? I mean, isn't there something wrong with that? And stop it already. Stop comparing America to other European countries and how they're handling enlightened abortion in the 21st century. You know, we're, we're one of only seven countries that allows unrestricted abortion, on-demand abortion, past the 15th uh, uh, gestational week. Two of the remaining six are China and North Korea. Uh, but Nancy, you know, she never gets around to mentioning these comparisons. Well, I can't remember a time when when we've, as Americans, have had so many value conflicts impacting every aspect of American life. Now, these value conflicts are different from those of days past. And I'm 73, and, and I've known some days past. We're not arguing whether farm subsidies should be increased or whether the government should clamp down on robocalls. Our value conflicts today are about whether God is dead to Americans, whether we still hold Judeo-Christian values, whether we still maintain traditional and biological definitions of what comprises a woman and a man, whether we should throw all reason to the wind and the sun over a theory of global warming, over whether we should allow the political party in control of our federal government to unilaterally impose severe economic pain on all of us to chase an unproven theory of global doom, and we're being told that this will happen within the next seven years if we do not act immediately to shut down burning fossil fuels. Yet China and India, who are by and far the globe's greatest air polluters, are doing nothing to decrease their so-called carbon footprints. I mean, they laugh in our face when John Kerry flies over there on his private plane and wines and dines and everybody gets along and they're all great friends and he comes back with absolutely nothing. The pollution alone that's going on in the Ukraine-Russia war 
is something to behold. In fact, the China and India's economic growth, that's happening at our expense. And it has greatly increased their greenhouse gas emissions. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. At one point, China was building two coal-fired electric plants every week. So we're to believe that we're taking the moral high road by disadvantaging our citizens while breaking the financial backs of lower-income families here in America? This go-green energy policy is widening the wealth gap in America, something progressive Democrats have blamed Republicans uh, through the years for. Please explain to me how it is morally superior to shut down our clean fossil fuel industry only to purchase increasing quantities of oil from ruthless dictatorships like Venezuela and Iran. And the list of value conflicts and value circumstances gets longer every day. It's to the point that we have to resort to making lists of our value conflicts because we can't possibly hold them all in our heads at one time. Gone are the days of single issues. Should we stay in the Vietnam War or should we leave? Should Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day be a federal holiday? Should we pursue peace between Israel and the Palestinians? Should we send a man to the moon? So why am I talking about moral distress? Is there a cure for it other than spacing out into oblivion and turning off all news and internet services? Yes, there, there is. We can vigorously fight back against those who are perpetrating the moral distress in the first place. There's something we can do every day to get ready to vote these immoral heathens out of office and ensure they never return to power. Yes, we know from the problems of rhinos in our own party that throwing the progressives out of power won't solve all of our moral distress. (laughs) But it'll be one, one heck of a start. One of the key difficulties in addressing moral distress is first recognizing it. Moral distress manifests itself in many forms of physical, emotional, or psychological symptoms, including headaches, palpitations, gastric upset, anger, guilt, frustration, withdrawal and depression, twitching and motor tics, and in my case, voluntary Tourette syndrome. Well, I'm getting ahead of the story. You see, I've been feeling low these past several weeks, and I've been looking over our vitamin cabinet trying to figure out if there's something I'm not taking or there's something in the growing array of family vitamins and supplements that I should be taking. Now, so far, I refuse to succumb to all those television advertisements that if I start taking this pill or that pill, I'll regain my male vigor and my Herculean energy and will return Uh, to my former self, including the return of my lost hair. I know my energy levels and my spirit have been in the dumps. My family tells me every day that I'm looking more and more like Eeyore, that gloomy animal character in Winnie the Pooh. And the bags under my eyes are occupying a larger portion of my facial real estate. Even worse, the visine and other eye washes don't seem... They don't seem to work as well as they have in the past in flushing away the redness and the red cracks streaking across my whites, the whites of my eyes, of course. The look is is really scary, but Halloween, unfortunately, is still months away. So what could be 
my malaise? What does it do to? What is ailing me? Nothing has really changed in my daily life or the numerous routines that make up my day. Yes, the pollen count in Florida is currently very high, but I have a prescription for that. The sun is always shining in Florida, and I know I'm not suffering from seasonal affective disorder or sad. It's not that all of a sudden I'm feeling insecure in my family relations or living circumstances. My wife and I are celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary on Father's Day this year, and my family and I feel relatively safe in a state being run by Ron DeSantis, an outstanding common-sense conservative governor. So this isn't the cause of my despondency. Now, our air conditioning is working, and, and, and I thank the stars for that because the summers here are hot and humid. However, the cost of staying cool has gone up, and it's not just by pennies. Oh, oh yes, our savings are being hammered by Joe Biden's Kill America policies as the market continues to drop like a boulder dropped off the Empire State Building. And we're all trying to make sure we're not under that boulder when it finally hits the ground. Of course, Joe Biden says that all of this depressing economic news is Vladimir Putin's fault. But I know this isn't true. And besides, even if it were, saying so doesn't make me feel any better. I don't know about you, but I hate relativism. When the nuts in the Biden White House tell me things are so bad in Europe, I don't, I don't feel any better knowing that the socialists are getting what they deserve. The critical question is, why are we suffering? We're, we're sitting on an ocean of oil and natural gas. What does the idiocy of Europeans have to do with my grocery or gasoline bills? Well, perhaps my out-of-spirits belace is because the reality of the world I live in doesn't match the America Joe Biden keeps telling us we're enjoying. Who's enjoying any of your policies, Joe? Better yet, who believes they're working for Americans? The last survey of the week proclaimed 91% of Americans are concerned about inflation ahead of the midterms. Well, perhaps I'm not alone. 91% of Americans are also concerned at least about inflation. This means that we're down to 9% who don't see inflation as a problem. So who are these 9%? My guess is that they're either the street-dwelling homeless or they're the very affluent, which includes a lot of those folks in Congress. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day... It's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show. And I'm not kidding. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health. And air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. 
There are microbes in the air and they're in your house and the Genesis Fogger is the solution. This is a mobile fogger that uses a unique technology to give a non-toxic dry mist to cleanse the air and cleanse your rooms of microbes, whether they be bacterial, fungal, or viral, including SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So go to the Genesis Fogger website and use the promo code OUTLOUD for a discount on your purchase of the model and get going with a cleaner house as there could be more microbes on the way. We're concerned about not only the current pandemic, but future ones. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, Switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. We're in a state of national emergency for tampons. I'm not, honest to gosh. We have a bona fide national tampon crisis. Uh, I don't know if Joe's going to invoke the National Defense Production Act for uh, tampons. It's a possibility. It's a pretty serious issue. Uh, I noticed a recent uh, headline in the Washington Times read, Lawmakers Seek Solutions to Tampon Shortage. Now, apparently, uh, Senator Maggie Hansen, I believe she's in New Hampshire, uh, sent a letter to, to tampon manufacturers Monday seeking answers after reports of empty shelves started circulating last week. She wants tampons to be treated as an essential good. I don't know if you know, but tampon prices are up 10% from last year. Now, don't be surprised if the White House comes out scolding the general public for hoarding tampons. I mean, that's sort of the usual uh, kind of issue that comes up. This was a frequent admonishment from Jen Psaki, and now Karine Jean-Pierre, or KJP, the current first black female lesbian immigrant press secretary. Now, I only point this out because... KJP was quick to share her qualifications to be press secretary in the Biden White House. And uh, we often come back to those qualifications. I don't know what's next for Biden to use the National Defense Production Act on. Uh, adult diapers? Oh, oh no, C come to think of it, it's going to be peanut butter because we're in short supply of peanut butter. 
Now, that just broke a, a couple of minutes ago as well across the wires. Now, this ineffective and inefficient national supply chain, Joe keeps telling us it's all COVID pandemic's fault, but we know it's the millions of workers he fired or they resigned over his mandatory vaccine policies. And if, and if you're wondering what America on socialism and centralized government planning would look like? Well, you're getting a sample of it right now. You know, mortgage rates have climbed to over 6%. That's the highest level since 2008. But but t- tampons, really. I heard somebody joking the other day about tampon equity. We've got to make sure we have tampon equity in the country. Uh, my nerves. If I didn't know better, I would think that the Biden administration is declaring a war on women. Nevertheless, Biden continues to tell us everything is fine and that we just don't know how good we have it. Now, here's a clip from a Joe Biden's sit-down with Jimmy Kimmel the other night on Late Night. I don't know if you caught this. It was a long, rambling, uh, it was bizarre interview, if you will. Uh, listen to Joe sling the slop in this one section. We have the fastest growing economy in the world, the world, the world. We have 8.6 million new jobs just since I got in office. Unemployment rates down to 3.6%. We've reduced the deficit last year by $320 billion. This year, we're going to reduce it by $1.7 trillion, trillion dollars. We're the strongest economy, and that's allowed us at least to stay on top of and a little bit ahead of what's happening around the world. Second thing is, look, inflation is the, is, is the, is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in at gasoline at, yeah. at the pump. But here's the deal. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. If you take and look at all the costs that a family has on a monthly basis, oil companies, instead of everybody says, well, Biden won't let them drill, they have, they have 9,000 drilling sites that they've already owned that are there. They're not doing it. You know why? Because they make more money not drilling and buying back their own stock. It's all screwed up. No, and that's the it, thing. It's well, that- it is screwed up, but we are only a few votes away from being able to straighten it out. We have to get the message across in a way that is understandable to people like the folks in my family we grew up. Tell people what the, what, 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 just what the facts are. And the facts are that this, this isn't anything about, so this is about building the economy. When I ran, I said, I want to build a new economy. No more trickle down from the bottom up and the middle out, because when the middle does well, everybody does well. The wealthy do very, very well. The idea there are 54 major corporations in America made $40 billion last year and don't pay a penny in taxes. Not a penny. How many of you think the tax code is fair anywhere along the line here? How many? No, I'm not being facetious now. I'm being deadly earnest. They don't pay a penny. I don't. So if we had a minimum tax of 15%, just on this year, I mean, a minimum of 15, it doesn't hurt them at all. They make a lot of money still. And we can raise a lot of money to make sure that child care doesn't cost you 1400 bucks a month. Well, of course, the um, Biden White House got uh, 1,200 Pinocchios for that stupid claim. In fact, the White House has just added another staffer 
who's going to do nothing else but collect and record Joe's Pinocchios for the National Archives. And they're thinking of adding several additional staffers to keep up with the flood of Pinocchios. Besides saying, the world three times, it doesn't make it so, Joe. In the world, the world, the world. Unemployment is so low because people have left the workforce. They're, they're not in the labor force participation rate. If you're not actively looking for a job, you're not counted in the labor force. Besides, there are 11 million openings and jobs listed. We have the people to fill them, but Joe's COVID-19 policies, along with the American Rescue Act, led to the Great Resignation, and too many are still sitting at home in their PJs. When you have 11 million open jobs and you can't fill them, there's a failure somewhere along the way, and most of these places are all paying well above minimum wage of $15 an hour, many of them paying as much as $20, $25 an hour. Now, the deficit has come down because our debt is worth less due to inflation, not because Joe's running to the National Bank every every Friday and paying it down. And, you know, the, the 47 trillion jobs Joe claims that he's created is a myth totally made up by the White House. When you and the blue state governor shut down the economy for months and months, and then when you begin to allow those businesses, those businesses who hadn't gone into bankruptcy, when you allow them to reopen, it looks like these are all new jobs and your policies created them, which is all BS. And as for the strongest economy in the world, we had, for the first time in decades, negative growth in the first quarter of this year. There are very few countries that had negative growth this first quarter. And many expect the second quarter, which ends June 30th of 2022, will also come in as another negative growth quarter, completing the definition of recession, meaning two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And as for hammering the oil companies and oil refineries, banks won't lend them money to build new capacity. Janet Yellen, the, the Treasury Secretary, who, who, who talks pretty much like Joe does these days, has warned all the banks to stay away from lending to oil and gas companies. And as for taxing corporations, they pay all sorts of local and state taxes. And when you tax public corporations, you're really taxing 50% of all us taxpaying citizens. You know, I own gas and oil stocks. They're in my 401 and 403 retirement funds. They're mutual stock funds for all of these corporations. So instead of paying us dividends, Joe wants the money. He wants our money. He wants to tax it before we even get it and get taxed again on it. Don't we already pay capital gains taxes and a host of other income taxes, Joe? Why would anyone want to give the Biden administration one more penny? This is the progressive Democrats' entire entire Ponzi scheme. Take more and more money out of the private sector because Democrats know better how to spend our money than we do. Well, so much for Biden's fabrications and outright lies. So it's time to ask myself, is, is, this, is all of this stuff what has me so down? Have the accumulative effects of Biden's policies finally pushed me over the edge and into despair? Has my camel's back finally broken from the blast proverbial Biden policy straw? 
I've tried to avoid watching any of the crap. Uh, that's exactly what it is, by the way, crap being performed by the kangaroos making up the January 6th Commission on Insurrection. Somehow, this one mostly peaceful quasi-riot can't possibly compare to the death and destruction of the 574 Black Lives Matter riots in 2020. Because there's, there's problems on both sides. We hear that all the time. What is the most unbalanced scale I've ever seen? And perhaps even knowing that we're funding another attack on Trump and on our ultra-maga selves, it sort of punked me out, you know? I don't know what you do when you're feeling down or low. In the past, when, when I feel low, I, I'd go shopping. Now I do most of the family shopping, and yes, as soon as I walk down the first store aisle, I wish I'd brought my EpiPen with me and a bite block because I can, I can feel the anaphylactic tremors beginning in my neck and back muscles. St- sticker shock doesn't begin to describe my hostile feelings. You know those folks that go around in the supermarkets with those handheld price labeling guns? These guys have never been busier than now. These poor folks are changing prices upwards every day. I mean, your only hope is to get to that part of the aisle they're working on, but get ahead of them uh, to the part they haven't gotten to yet. Now, t- two years ago, I could walk out of Costco or, or Publix for under about 250 bucks. Today, even with the change up in product selection, it's impossible to leave the store for, for under 350 bucks unless, unless you shoplift, of course, the, the traditional five-finger discount. Uh, but, but, of course, I'm joking. Uh, I don't do that kind of thing. Things, things have never really gotten that bad. Nevertheless, 350 bucks, and, and that's if you can find what you're looking for in the stores. I, I stopped counting the times I've asked a store employee to check if they have this or that in the back storeroom. To be told, if it isn't on the shelf, we don't got it. It's gotten so crazy that the clerk you ask is clueless as if the store is ever going to get another shipment of that particular product. Now, although I'm about to turn 73, I didn't live through the Great Depression. Some, some of my family think I did. Perhaps if I did, I would, that would give me some perspective on our economic nightmare that we're going through. But I do have a 94-year-old mother-in-law who did live through the Depression, so I do know something from her experiences about how tough those... Those times were compared to today. And when she was a very young girl, her family left their house in the city and returned to their family-owned farm to grow their own food uh, when work in the city had all dried up. Unfortunately, well, we don't own any more farms in the family, and uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do if it gets as bad as the Great Depression. Let's just all hope that we can change the political parties in power and get this thing turned around before any of us go looking for farmland. Well, if you if you followed the Frankly Daniels show this past year, you know I routinely research and talk about our current politics, but mostly on the policy decisions our political leaders pursue and why they pursue them given our national and global environment. This question comes up every day. Given the awful results to date, why doesn't the Biden administration change course? If these policies don't work for the American people, and there is plenty of evidence that they're not, 
Then instead of blaming everyone else for these cruel, painful, expensive, and unnecessary policies, why not just change the darn things? Joe, we don't even need an apology. Just change the policies back to where we were before you forced us down a journey no one anticipated when we carelessly voted you into office. Of course, President Company excused. None of us voted for Joe Biden because although Joe hid in his basement throughout the 2020 presidential campaign, nothing Joe said fooled any of us. But first, Joe Biden can't course correct. Even assuming he can see that the ship of state is on the same course taken by the Titanic. Second, Joe, Joe sold his soul several times over by now to wherever the Democrat Party winds blow. Whatever they say goes. Joe has no core values. He has no core. He's just an empty suit trying to bloviate in any direction with popular opinion. Third, all Biden policies, every one of them, are deeply and extricably tied to a radical progressive ideology that's intent on tearing down America and our Constitution and recreating a nation that's compliant with international globalism and strong centralized governments that act and react like totalitarian, socialistic, or Marxist entities. Now I'm watching my time, and there are a couple of clips I'd like to play for you today. But first I need to set them up. Apart from abortion, my number one pet peeve is the twisted world of wokeism, and in particular issues of gender identity, sexual orientation, transgenderism, and LGBTQI plus over-the-top activism. This month of June is Pride Month. I, I take it you already know that. Here's the president's comments this week about Pride returning to the White House under his leadership. I'd like to play uh, for you a clip of Joe Biden's LGBTQI plus White House speech this past week. Now, I've cut out the lengthy applause sections to shorten the clip. Rest assured that there was a lot of applause, given Joe and Jill were probably the only straight folks in, in the event. And keep in mind that the actual percentages of transgender people in America is approximately 0.8%, less than 1%, 0.8%. The percentage of gay and bisexual people in the country is approximately 3%. Recent studies show that the general public believes these percentages are way much higher. They think that 20% of America is transgender and 30% of them are gay. I don't know how they reconcile that with their own personal experiences, that 50% of the country is somehow either transgender or gay, but go figure. Of course, you have to remember that many of these same folks believe that Costa Rica is a country in Africa. I hope that none of you think that. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, by and large, American society has accepted the LGBTQI plus community, and there are few, if any, issues until recently when certain segments of the LGBTQI plus community uh, began trying to force transgenderism in schools and gender identity. And that has caused a riff in many directions. You should know that not everyone in the LGBTQ I plus community agrees with this approach or is happy the trans community won't let kids grow up to be who they really are. Many of them will come to discover that they're gay and not transgender. 
But listening to the Biden administration, you'd think that but for them, the white privileged conservatives would have already rounded them all up and sent them to white supremacy concentration camps. This is a perpetual lie, and I resent every bit of this because it doesn't in any way match with my or many of our Judeo-Christian values. But here's the clip. I think we have more LGBTQ plus people than any administration or every administration combined. No, I I really mean it. Because I promised when I got elected, I wanted my administration to look like America. Look like America across the board. And we've done that. Record number of out and proud appointees at every single level of our government. And as I said, you know, Secretary Buttigieg, uh, who needs no introduction, is doing an outstanding job of rebuilding America. And I mean that in a literal sense, and not just in terms of what he's doing in transportation, but he's helping rebuild pride in America. And my public spokesman, Corrine Jean-Pierre, is making history. We're also joined by the Assistant Secretary of Health and Education and Human Services, Admiral Rachel Levin. There you go. Thank you very much. First and second transgender Americans to be Senate confirmed in American history. Say. As Commander-in-Chief, I'm proud to have ended the un-American ban on transgender Americans serving in our military. Proud to have signed an executive order on my first day in office to combat discrimination against LGBTQLI, excuse me, plus Americans in housing, in health care, in education, in employment, financial services, and the criminal justice system. First thing I signed. And you know, no one knows better than the people in this room. We have a lot more work to do. A lot more work to do. I don't have to tell you about the ultra-MAGA agenda attacking families and our freedoms. 300 discriminatory bills introduced in states across this country. In Texas, knocking on front doors to harass and investigate parents who are raising transgender children. In Florida, going after Mickey Mouse, for God's sake. No, but think about this. All of you in this room know better than anyone that these attacks are real and consequential for real families. For real families. Just look at what happened in Idaho last weekend. 31 white supremacists stopped just before they reached the Pride celebration where they apparently planned to unleash violence on people gathering peacefully in a show of their pride. I'm grateful for the swift response of law enforcement. And they responded. They responded. Violent attacks on the community, including ongoing attacks on transgender women of color, make our nation less safe because the attacks are more than ever last year, and they're on pace again this year. They're disgusting, and they have to stop. Right now, there are young people sitting in their bedroom, doors closed, silent, scrolling through social media, staring at the ceiling, wondering if they'll ever be loved, ever marry, ever have a family and be accepted by their own family sometime. Our son started an organization before he died to make sure that people understood what it meant going all around the country, letting people know, trying to train families, the mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters of LGBTQ plus people, that they have to reach out, embrace and love their blood, to be, allow them to be themselves, or whether they should even be here on earth, as a lot of folks wonder. I, I, I found my friends, some of my gay friends, I've asked them, what was it like As a kid, I can't imagine what it's like. 
locking yourself in that room and wondering, just staring at the ceiling, just wondering. Today, I'm about to sign an executive order that directs key federal agencies to protect our communities from those hateful attacks and advance equality for families. My order, my order will use the full force of the federal government to prevent inhumane practices of conversion therapy. This is the first time the federal government is leaving a coordinated response against this dangerous, discredited practice. The executive order will also support mental health for children by addressing bullying and suicide and making our schools safer. Addressing the nation's mental health crisis is a key pillar of the unity agenda I announced in the State of the Union address. My executive order also will take on discrimination that children and parents face in foster care. And now I'd like to play a clip from a recent Bill Maher show on HBO. In fairness to Bill Maher, who I consider my grandfather's type of liberal Democrat, I've taken the laughter out of the clip to shorten the clip time. Nevertheless, you'll find yourself laughing at many parts of this monologue, and you should. The funniest parts of any joke is when it rests on the absurdity of some human behavior or belief. Now, Bill Maher is a dinosaur. We're all losing those liberal Democrats who enjoyed a good, honest debate about sensible issues, and the discussions never became personal. Stay with me through the clip. It will likely close the show out, but... I'm going to get to as much of it as possible. Please, don't forget to take care of your moral distress. I'm certainly watching mine. Enjoy. And finally, new rule. If something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, Less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. (laughs) I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant? It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. And it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density, which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision, it's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. Yes, 
part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. But some of it is, it's trendy. Penis equals man, okay, boomer. Remember, the prime directive of every teen is anything to shock and challenge the squares who brought you up. It's why nobody gets a nose ring at 56. And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder.